On high school reading lists nationwide sits a book that isn't supposed to be there. That book is Their Eyes Were Watching God, a novel published in 1937 by folklorist, anthropologist, and writer Zora Neale Hurston. Today, you'll find Their Eyes on Time Magazine's all-time top 100 novels, the BBC's list of 100 novels that shaped our world, and the College Board's 101 great books recommended for college-bound readers. But it wasn't always that way. Their Eyes was a stark departure from the protest tradition popularized by Hurston's black male contemporaries. Praised by some, but rivaled by others, this novel about a black woman's inner life eventually fell out of print. It would take years before the novel found its way back onto bookshelves and into classrooms, ushered there by black women writers and scholars who recognized the value of the novel and the importance of its author at first read. Today, we'll tell the story of a book about a black woman becoming. You're listening to Remarkable Receptions, a podcast about popular and critical responses to African-American novels. Their Eyes Were Watching God traces the life story of Janie Crawford as she blossoms into adulthood, moves in and out of marriage, and finds both herself and her voice through experiences that test her commitment to living a life of her own design. How radical it was in the 1930s for Hurston to paint a picture of black womanhood that cared nothing for respectability politics. Her rejection of beliefs and behaviors that favor rigid restraint over free expression resulted in a brilliant love story. A narrative wrapped in black vernacular, vivid natural imagery, and intimate storytelling, white reviewers from the New York Herald Tribune and the New York Times praised the novel as lovely and beautiful. The novel appeared to be a hit, but when several black male writers weighed in, it became clear that Hurston's aesthetic and approach did not resonate among this collective of black literary tastemakers. When we think about black women in African-American literary history, it's important to remember how gender, specifically a masculinist impulse, would have marginalized a writer like Hurston for centering black women's lives and stories. That's Shanna Benjamin, a professor of African-American studies at Wake Forest University. Their Eyes Were Watching God was published on the tail end of the Harlem Renaissance, an era that promoted the new Negro and praised great men. So the novel's elevation of southernness, of womanness, of the vernacular, of dialect, would have flown in the face of the literary and cultural priorities of the day. In Their Eyes Were Watching God, Hurston wasn't interested in confronting white oppression. She was invested in affirming black life and black joy. While mainstream white reviewers praised the novel, black male readers were significantly less enthused. Richard Wright, a rising author not yet famous for his novel Native Son, penned a review that reflects the novel's early criticism. 
he suggested the novel cow-toed to the chauvinistic taste of white America, projecting caricatures of black life akin to that of minstrelsy. More black male readers joined this critical chorus, and Hurston was deeply pained by their assessments of her novel. Initial positive reviews in mainstream outlets weren't enough to keep their eyes were watching God in print. Did negative reviews hurt, or did the country's reticence to read fiction that centered a black woman's journey to selfhood cause the novel's sluggish sales? While we can only speculate on the reasons behind the novel's ambivalent reception in 1937, a second remarkable reception in the 1970s, one made possible by black women writers and scholars who rediscovered Hurston's novel, contributed to a shift in the general public's taste for literature by and about black women. Zora Neale Hurston, who grew up in the all-black town of Eatonville, Florida, trained as an anthropologist at Columbia University. She shifted her focus to fiction as her career progressed. She wrote, Their Eyes Were Watching God, in a mere seven weeks. Hurston set out to write a novel that centered black womanhood, black love, the lyricism of black vernacular speech, and the joys of Southern Black life. One of the major themes in the novel is Hurston's treatment of Janie's interiority, the inner thoughts, dreams, beliefs, and aspirations that she maintains in the face of sexism and racism. Again, that's Shanna Benjamin. Hurston is famous for her critical insight that through the combination of racism and sexism, black women have been treated as mules of the world, forced to serve others instead of cultivating themselves. The main character of their eyes, Janie, upends this reductive depiction of black women. Instead of living to serve others, Janie learns to live for herself. And I think the novel does a remarkable job representing Janie's interior thoughts along the way. The same journey that gives Janie life experience takes her deeper inside of herself to consider her thoughts and her feelings, even when others, most notably her first two husbands, discount what Janie thinks and says. In the novel, Hurston marks the start of Janie's quest towards self-actualization with her sexual awakening a short time after Janie witnesses the love embrace and ecstatic shiver between dust-bearing bees and her beloved pear tree, an exchange that symbolizes the image of marriage that she carries throughout the novel. She comes across Johnny Taylor and the two kiss across the gatepost. Her grandmother, Nanny, catches the lip-locked pair. Nanny, who has witnessed the brutality of slavery firsthand, arranges marriage for her 16-year-old granddaughter because she believes marriage will bring Janie an ideal life, one where her granddaughter is cared for and protected. Once married, however, Janie learns that the realities of married life collide with the idyllic vision of marriage she formed 
while watching bees pollinate her beloved pear tree. Even in the midst of her disillusionment about marriage, Janie continues to process her experiences through the lens of her inner thoughts and dreams. That is, until a violent outburst from her second husband initiates the split that separates her inside from her outside, the dream with the truth. Janie stood where he left her for an unmeasured time in thought. She stood there until something fell off the shelf inside her. Then she went inside to see what it was. It was her image of Jody tumbled down and shattered. But looking at it, she saw that it never was the flesh and blood figure of her dreams. Just something she had grabbed to drape her dreams over. In a way, she turned her back on the image where it lay and looked further. She had no more blossomy openings dusting pollen over her man, neither any glistening young fruit where the petals used to be. She found that she had a host of thoughts she had never expressed to him and numerous emotions she had never let Jody know about. Things packed up and put away in parts of her heart where he could never find them. She was saving up feelings for some man she had never seen. She had an inside and an outside now, and suddenly she knew how not to mix them. From Their Eyes Were Watching God by Zora Neale Hurston We hope you're enjoying this episode of Remarkable Receptions. This podcast is part of the Black Literature Network, a project that offers useful information about African-American novels and Black literary studies. Mary Helen Washington weaves a wonderful story into her foreword to the 1990 perennial library edition of Their Eyes. And it's when she recounts the moment a group of Black women in Boston, some of them graduate students, some of them working at colleges and universities in the area, gathered to study the novel. You gotta remember, the novel had been out of print, so participants who were unable to get their hands on a used bound copy read photocopies that were shared and circulated among group members. Again, that's Shanna Benjamin. Even though their eyes had been published to mixed reviews in 1937, 40 years later, by 1977, the black women who had integrated predominantly white colleges and universities as both graduate students and faculty members were leading the charge in shifting the perception of Hurston's life and work. They created the intellectual gateway that led to their eyes being appreciated by an entirely new generation of readers, from college professors to the general public and everyone in between. With the novel readily accessible following its publication by the University of Illinois Press in 1978 and regularly taught in colleges and universities through the 1980s and 1990s, their eyes became even more widely known among the general public when Oprah Winfrey produced a made-for-TV drama based on Hurston's novel. Winfrey, the creator and host of her eponymous Emmy Award-winning 25-year running talk show, began producing television dramas in the 1990s based on novels by women as part of her 
Oprah Winfrey Presents series. Oprah Winfrey Presents Their Eyes Were Watching God aired on ABC in 2005 and followed Winfrey's adaptation of Dorothy West's The Wedding to become the second of her television dramas featuring a Black woman protagonist. While the production featured an all-star cast, Halle Berry played Janie Crawford with Ruben Santiago Hudson as Joe Starks and Michael Ely as Tea Cake. Fans of the novel felt shortchanged, believing that issues of class and colorism, black vernacular, and the novel's cultural and historical backdrop had been sanitized to make the story accessible to a broad audience. Even without a close adherence to the novel's language and themes, Winfrey's production symbolized the place their eyes were watching God had secured in the popular imagination. Their eyes were watching God animated a black woman's interior life and journey to selfhood while elevating black vernacular speech and communal black joy. During Hurston's lifetime, their eyes sold less than 5,000 copies. Today, it sells 500,000 copies a year. It is a mainstay on both high school English reading lists and college course syllabi. With two remarkable receptions, their eyes were watching God went from marginal to seminal. This episode of Remarkable Receptions was written by Shannon Benjamin. The episode was edited by Elizabeth Kelly and me, Howard Ramsey. Remarkable Receptions is part of the Black Literature Network, a joint project from African American Literary Studies at Southern Illinois University, Edwardsville, and the History of Black Writing at the University of Kansas. The project was made possible by the generous support of the Mellon Foundation. For more information, visit blacklitnetwork.org.